Hello there and welcome to my Polyglot podcast. Today we are going to start to bring back one of the best projects that uh, uh, has ever happened to the Polyglot world. It is called Polyglot Project. Uh, this piece was originally recorded by David Manseray and Claude Cartagenez and uh, we are reproducing here and all the copyrights are still for them because they started the project, uh, the Polyglot project Uh, but unfortunately, uh, those audios are not uh, more available on internet, or if they are, are in a very obscure website, not so easy. And so the first interview will be with the American polyglot, uh, Moses McCormick. Um, and I hope you enjoy listening to this series of um, episodes. If I'm not wrong, we are going to listen to uh, nine or ten episodes. This is the first one. And uh, uh, what happens is the same as uh, it's, uh, this project, in fact, inspired many other podcasters, uh, including my Polyglot podcast, was inspired by um, the Polyglot project, and uh, we have uh, written a new version of the book uh, in two years ago. Uh, if I'm not wrong, last year, I'm not sure, uh, that which you called the language, the Bible of the language learners and polyglots. Uh, but uh, this uh, year, or at the beginning of the next one, we are going to uh, release the new polyglot project. For this reason, we are uh, taking back the old interviews and uh, just uh, uh, letting it clear that this audios. Uh, are uh, in the CC uh, Commons. Uh, the rights are to 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 spread the things. So uh, the original interviewers uh, and all the copyrights are for David Mansaray and uh, Claude Cotigenez. So listen to this uh, fantastic interview and. Uh, Talk to you soon in our daily tips and tricks, uh, and I hope you enjoy this uh, old but always um, updated interviews with great news and taking back other things. I hope you really enjoy them. Uh, see you soon. Bye for now. And uh, don't forget to sign up for my Polyglot. Uh, you can... Um, Follow us on uh, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, uh, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, so just uh, use the hashtag MyPolyglot or the uh, at, just write at MyPolyglot and you're going to find us uh, everywhere else. And uh, be sure to follow us and keep updated with these fantastic interviews. Uh, see you soon. Bye. Welcome, friends, to the Polyglot Project podcast. I'm Claude Cartagenez in New York. And I'm David Mansaray from London. In this series of informative and motivational interviews, we hope to continue the conversation initiated by the Polyglot Project and pick up where that book left off. We hope to save language learners from across the globe time by interviewing world-class language learners from across the globe. We really hope you enjoy 
Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number one of the Polyglot Project podcast. I'm Claude Cartagenez in New York, and I'm joined by my co-host, David Mansouray in London. How are you today, David? Um, I'm doing great. Thank you, Claude. I'm excited to get the first episode started. Good. Uh, David and I have a very special guest for you today, Mr. Moses McCormick, whom you may know as Lao Shu. Moses, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you guys for inviting me on this show. <laughs> okay. Moses, um, before we get started, I'd like to tell you a little story, which I swear is absolutely true. Um, <laughs> as you know, uh, m- much of my free time last year was spent compiling, editing, and promoting the Polyglot Project. Um, when the book was completed this past November, I was really excited to see what kind of feedback it would get. Uh, I made a YouTube video announcing the book's completion, and while I was uploading it, I, I got up and walked away from the computer for a little bit. And When I went back, I had one email sitting in my inbox, and uh, I looked at it. It was only six words long, and I, I want to read the whole thing for you. Um, it reads, oh. dude, what page is, Mo- is Moses on? And, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. That's, That's funny. With, with those serious? six, yeah, it's, I'm serious. With those, <laughs> with those six words, this individual not only became the first person to refer to me as dude in an email, but, <laughs> but, but he made it quite clear that the remaining 500 some odd pages of the book didn't interest him enough to even like go through it to find your submission. He, wow. He wanted to know. He wanted to know about Moses McCormick. So, I think that's a good place for us to start here today. Um, can you tell us a little about your background and how you became interested in foreign languages? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, you guys know I'm 29. I grew up in, let's see, I grew up half of my life in Erie, Pennsylvania, and Akron, Ohio. And um, the language, I didn't start getting into language until I was like in the, uh, I would say junior. I was like in my junior year in high school. And um, the type of environment I came from, it it was like the norm uh, to be ignorant, not to really learn about different things. Like I I couldn't wait to graduate. I hated school. So um, when I met a certain group of people, around my junior year, I started changing. It, I, I would say that was like the most significant part of my life because I started looking at things in a different different way, different perspective. And um, one of the guys I met, he was like heavily into learning different things. And I thought, I thought he was strange because like I said, where I came from, it wasn't the norm to go outside the box and learn about something, something else. And he, um, he, he would ask me, well, um, why do you and I was listening to certain music and he would ask me why do you like to listen to this type of music why do you like to listen to that type of music and I, you know I just said well that's that's good music you know at the time I didn't know that was good music or not and um, he said you should try to um, you know try to listen to this this type this type of music here and um, try to learn about different stuff and I was like you know what, what, what do you mean learn about different stuff so he just started getting me into learning about different things and then like languages um i don't know like i had a certain experience in school that pushed me to learn like uh, certain languages like um, asian languages so from there 
I decided to learn Chinese and um, I, <laughs> just like any like normal language learner, I went out and got the books and uh, a couple phrase books, listened to the audio and I tried to um, speak with some Chinese people. And then like I, at that time, I realized that I had a, a, a serious knack for learning uh, languages. So I continued with, with the Chinese and I think after three, four months, you know, I found myself speaking Chinese like with like pretty good with Chinese people. So from there, I mean, I just branched off into other languages, Japanese, uh, Korean. That's when it started getting crazy. You've led us into what our next question is that we have here. Because what I'm interested in speaking with you about now is how you develop the methodology that you use for learning your languages. When you when you started learning, did you follow the book um, from cover? Um, straight to the end of it or did you tweak the program in some way to come up with your own methodology what what is is it solely down to the fact that you have a knack for learning languages or is it the way that you approach languages um well i will say the first thing was having a knack of course i like um as far as the methodology is concerned i um i was just like any old uh regular language learner i would get the book and start from chapter one and you know i tried that and then I, I realized that um, the approach I was taking wasn't right. It's was like I had to, like it was it was pretty slow. I, I didn't know how to say certain things, and I, I figured that you know what I keep meeting these these people and they're asking me similar questions. So I I need to make sure I learn this stuff, learn that. So I guess I would say I was skipping around in the book when I, after I, after I realized that the approach I was taking, the traditional approach, wasn't working well for me. What is the problem in for you about the traditional approach it's just like um i don't know it's like certain things you 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 don't learn at first like if i want to be able to um let's say talk about if you ask me well what is your reason for learning this like what, what is your reason for learning this language i wouldn't even be able to express myself fully because i have to wait you know if i take the traditional approach i have to um i want to learn like certain words right off you know, right off the bat to express myself in that way. So I think the traditional, the tradition for, at least for me, the traditional way is, is just too slow. It's not, it's not, it's not, um, I don't know. It just, it's not for me. It's not the right approach for me. I see. So would I be right in um, summarizing what you just said in that learning a language, the traditional way doesn't teach you the correct things that you will need to use straight away when learning the language. Right, right. Like, I'm not saying that the, the traditional way is bad. It's just for myself, it, it just wasn't working for me, you know, because I was meeting all these natives and they were asking me certain questions and I couldn't really answer them. I had to switch to English. So from there, I decided that I need to speed things up. So that's when I came up with all this jumping around and stuff. So it's just it's just a method that works best for me. So now th this method, um, Lao Shu, is the um, uh, the FLR method. Mm -hmm. Can you yes. can you talk about that a little bit? Um, how how that evolved and and how um, how that works? Okay. Yeah. Um, as I was explaining, like. Like at, at the beginning, I, I like to learn certain things first, you know, it's, it's more of like getting equipped for the battle. And that's basically what I do. Like what, like interrogatives, we all know about the interrogatives, who, what, when, where, why, all that stuff. 
I learned all those because, like I said, in my experience, these natives will ask certain, they will ask you certain questions and it's this, they're like the same questions every time. So they ask you, well, who, who was your teacher? Uh, why do you want to learn a language? Uh, what is your major? Just stuff like that. So I try to not only learn how to understand those questions, I also try to um, um, not only understand it, but how to ask those questions. Like I can ask other people those 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 type of questions. But um, when I when I'm after I learn those, then I just start making up sentences and stuff and and adding keywords. I like to call them keywords. And there's those are mainly like conjunctions, adverbs, all those type. Pretty much just building sentences. And I like to make the sentences run on. They they look like run on sentences, but that's just how I like to do them. To, to add as many um, keywords as I can, so. And and this could you give us an example? Yeah, I was going to ask the same <laughs> example. <thing>. Go ahead. <laughs> like uh, for example, I will say something like, um, let's see, like if you ask me, if you ask me, well, um, have you ever been to China before? I will, say, I'll, I'll reply, well, uh, I, I've never been to China before, but I plan to go one day. Like I can't go to I I've never been to China before because I haven't um, I don't have the money now. But when I do save that money, I'll most definitely go to China. Just adding like certain keywords just to keep it going, like that. Do you find <laughs> Moses that um you you tend to learn um, a particular tense first? For example, a lot of the answers to the questions that you're asked are in the past tense. So does it does it help to set to know how to say um, I did that, or I have done that. Is that is that an advantage to your method, or or not really? Um, never looked at it like that. No, I wouldn't say that was that's an advantage. No, I, I wouldn't say that's an advantage to the method. So, so uh, you'll you'll learn to answer the questions uh, in the past tense, the present tense, the future right. tense. Yeah. Okay. All tenses. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that works for you. Uh, irrespective of the language, right, right. It doesn't matter what language it is; it it, it works every time. Okay, <clears throat> that that brings me to a question with the fact that you are extremely known, not only because um, you are good at learning language, but you learn a lot of rare languages and you learn uh, quite a number of them. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have knowledge in more than twenty languages. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, I would say more than twenty languages. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's, that, that's fantastic. Um, so, the big question here is, how do you manage all of these languages at one time? Uh, that's pretty hard to do. Like, a long time ago, before I started coming up with a schedule, I used to just be all over the place. Like, one day would be Chinese. I'll do Chinese, let's say, on Monday. Then I would switch over to Japanese. Then I would switch over to Vietnamese. It was just pretty sloppy, and I didn't have a schedule. But eventually I came up with the schedule where I would choose certain languages to learn for a year. Like I will I will focus on four languages. Um, let's say this year I chose what um, I chose Lithuanian, Estonian, Icelandic and Cambodian. So I would choose I would choose four languages for the year and focus on each language for at least three months intensively. Now, while I'm let's say like this month here, I'm focusing on Estonian. I will still practice my other languages, but it, they won't. It won't be intensive. So I would go back and look at something for, let's say, um, 
Chinese. I may spend like 30 minutes to an hour reading something in Chinese or just speak speak Chinese with a native speaker for that for that for about 30 minutes to an hour. So it's a little bit more organized now than it was before. So you're 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 constantly reviewing uh-huh. the languages you've previously studied. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how, how do you how do you choose which language to to study in a given year? Um, that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty random. Like I I don't know. It's it's just I was like I don't know. At the end of the year, I, I asked myself, okay, what language am, am, am I going to um, focus on for next year? And uh, whatever comes to mind, that's what I would do. I would just whatever whatever language comes to mind, I'll, I'll work on those for that for that year. So it's pretty random. Pretty random. Yeah. Do you also immerse yourself in the culture of uh, the country where the language is spoken, or your your primary concern is the language itself? Um. Well, I think while you when I think when when you learn a language, you learn a culture at the same time. I think learning about the culture is very important. So. I consider both. With with the scheduling of your languages, what constitute for un, not intensive um, a language that you're not too focusing on? Can you give us numbers in terms of how many hours you would put in a day or a week? I would say when I study language intensively, I try to get at least, um, let's see, I would say a, between three to five hours. Now they don't, those three to five hours don't have to be they don't have to be all together. You can break them up for that day, but at the end of the day, you want to have at least at least four three between three and five hours put into that language, whatever language it is you're studying. Now, if the ones that I'm not doing intensively, I will like I said, I will only spend like thirty minutes to an hour on those on those languages. So I don't consider that really um, intensive study. I think I've heard you say in the past that. There are languages that you dabble in. Is that? Uh... Yeah, the language that. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would say those are the languages that I pretty much dabble with. I, when I dabble with languages, I, I won't spend more than an hour. I won't spend more than an hour on them. The languages that you spend not more than an hour with. How does your development come come along with those languages? It's. It's. It will take. Uh, obviously, it will take more time because if you don't spend. If I don't spend that intensive time on that on that language, it's going to take me longer. Although I have the, a good methodology, you know, for learning that language, it's still going to take me time, uh, more, more, more time to actually learn to get to like a, a pretty good level in the language. Okay, and something that I often hear when I'm speaking with language learners, or if I'm watching YouTube videos, or reading the forums, or just my friends of my own that I speak with, um, something they always say is that they don't have time to learn a language. Um, looking at the way you approach languages that you're dabbling in, um, you said you spend maybe up to an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you give to those people that say they don't have time? to learn the language but they want to learn the language what's the best piece of advice you could give to someone like that well um i think Claude made a video a, a, a while back about this right did you make a video something about i think that was you you made he made a video uh, i can't remember the name of it but i think we all have time i think it's just yeah it, i mean if you got time to, i don't know it's, it's like it, <clears throat> go ahead what were you gonna say no i was gonna say yeah i, I know the video you're, you're talking about if you're you really want to make the time to do something, you'll find the time. Right. You will, most definitely, you'll find the time. And like other language learners will say, 30 minutes. You, 
even if you spend 30 minutes on a language, that's something. It's better than nothing, right? Absolutely. So it's like you, I mean, I think all of us, I think we can all find 30, at least 30 minutes to, you know, for learning a certain language. So I think, I think it's just more of um, really wanting to do it. I think a lot of people just, they say they want to do it. But they, I don't know, maybe they're just making up excuses. I have a, a, a quick question. Have you ever come across a language um, that you just did not like the sound of? And, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> there, there are certain languages that are, you know, harsher on the ears for some people um, or, or more difficult to produce. Uh, has has that kind of experience ever happened to you where you, you just say, man, you know what? I, I really don't like this language. No, I've never had that experience before. I've never – I think they had a uh, – what was that on the How to Learn Any Language site? They had a topic. They said, "What which what language are ugly to you?" Or have you? <laughs> it was a similar um, similar question. I I, right. I don't know. I've I've never had that experience. I all the languages I've ever you know studied. They I don't know. I like studying them. There now there are certain languages that I felt that um, they were not challenging enough, and I felt that it wasn't like Spanish is one of them. Like I st- every time I study Spanish, I get I don't know. I would have to like. Um, uh, how can I say this? Like, I will start. I will start studying Spanish, but then I will stop. It's like I don't have the drive to study Spanish like I have for languages like um, Estonian or or Tibetan. Those other type of languages. It's just I have to like force myself to. I'm like, man, I don't. I don't feel like doing Spanish, and then I go back to Spanish. So it's been like back and forth. But like as far as languages sounding ugly or you know, I, I, I've never had that experience before. What about um, artificial or constructed languages like Esperanto or Edo or Klingon or any of these languages? Any interest in those? Oh, yeah. I just actually purchased Klingon course. I was listening to it like last month sometime. Yeah. And I, I want to learn Esperanto. So, yeah, why not? I mean, they're languages. So. Right. Right. Um uh, a lot of people feel that because there's no culture behind these languages, that they're really, or they, there are no native speakers of these languages, they're not really worth learning. Yeah, I, I take well, it. It's, it's take a, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't look at. Yeah, I, if it's a language, if you got people speaking it, and you know, it's to me, it's. I think it's worth a try. I don't really look at languages as all oh, this worthless. You know, I mean. Right. You got some people out there speaking like Esperanto. You have a, you have quite a few people that speak Esperanto. So why not give that language a shot? You know, and interact with those speakers. Are there any languages that you have found difficult, or do you find it easy in general? What What's your experiences with that? Mm, difficult. Yeah. There's. Yeah. There's been a lot of like. Um, I would say because I, I like to look at languages in different aspects. So like. When it in terms of writing, I would say Chinese and Japanese. Like Chinese and Japanese have been very difficult because you have to like literally write every day to keep up with the um, the kanji, you know, the hanzi, all that stuff. But um, let me see, the writing the the um, the grammar. I would say Arabic, Russian, Georgian, uh, uh, Navajo, yeah, Navajo, any other language difficult grammar and let's see what else pronunciation i would say vietnamese navajo uh mong cantonese those type of languages so yeah i mean although 
I, I, I pick up languages pretty fast and, you know, I have this natural languages. I, I've had the experience of, you know, having a difficulty in learn, learning the certain languages. So it's not easy. And how do you overcome these frustrations? Do you, do you, are you constantly frustrated? Like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting it. Or do you just have fun with it and just keep I going? just have fun with it. I don't think about, oh man, this is so hard. You know, like um, Navajo was the newest one I started learning. Navajo was um, extremely difficult language. Like, it's so difficult. But I, I have this study partner, you know, uh, she, she finds it difficult as well. But the way we study it, it's like in a fun way very fun way so we just kind of like disregard how difficult it is we try not to think about it and just you know continue constructing our sentences and all that good stuff so i think it's just i think it's very important to find ways to have fun with the language especially if it's difficult if you don't do that it's, it's going to be very frustrating and you're going to eventually give up so yeah i, I agree with you 100 percent. you know fun is something that you need to inject into learning to make you want to do it in the first place so um for the listener out there that's listening thinking yeah i want to learn the language but um i don't know how to make this fun how how, how what would you tell them or advice would you give them to say to encourage them to make the process fun make the process fun uh that's kind of hard um Make the process fun. I don't know some because <laughs> you know I like to. Um, I don't know. I kind of use like video games and and different kung fu movies and I don't know. It's just other things that I like to. You know, other things I, I enjoy and I try to incorporate those somehow into my language learning. It's it's kind of weird, but that's what keeps the process fun for me. I I, I don't know if I can uh, answer this. Uh, I think I think I understand what you're saying. I, I'm I'm interested in the outdoors, and I I watch a lot of um, YouTube videos from. Uh, for some reason, a lot of Germans and Austrians and Swiss people seem to be um, making videos in their in their uh, uh, travels and uh, jaunts through the countryside, and they're they're primarily in German with some English. And I'm not really actively studying German, but I'm picking up a lot of German watching these videos. And mm. for me, it's kind of like a, a byproduct. I'm having fun watching the videos, and I'm I'm absorbing some German words and and in context and words that I'm that I would be using in my day to day life. So I I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. Some, some, something something I'll add about that. I actually wrote an article about um, tips for reading in foreign languages, and one of the things that I emphasized on is that you should try to be a foreign version of yourself. Because <laughs> if, if 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 you take the person that you are and try to live that life as a foreigner everything in the language that you're learning everything that you're learning is going to already be of interest to you so if you like comic books then you're going to want to try to find similar material in in the foreign language that's going to help keep you motivated because if you don't have no motivation yeah. with with what it is that you're learning then it's an absolute waste of time and one of the biggest problems we have with classrooms with with students not feeling motivated with the teacher's technique yeah the technique is the big part of the fun itself oh know? yeah oh yeah the technique definitely plays a big role in that in motivation i mean like like i was saying before not being able to learn certain things first and you know having to go in this this certain order it's like well we have to wait until chapter 20 I mean, it's like it's like it's just not a fun thing. Like, and and I had this experience when I I took actually to see at OSU, I took several language courses as an experiment, 
you know, I, as an experiment, I said, you know what, I'm going to take these classes. I want to see how I want to see if I take, you know, if, if it's going to be the same for all these other language courses. So I took like what I take? I think I took and see, I took Swahili, Zulu, uh, German, Italian, uh, Arabic, Hebrew. Uh, what else did I take? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, classical Tibetan. And I came to the conclusion that it was the same. Like everything was the same. Now the teachers were different. Like I had like some some good teachers. Like I will say, the um, the Swahili and Zulu teacher they were good. But like it was still that um, traditional. That that traditional way was still there, you know. And um, a lot of the students in the class they were wondering wondering how I was you know advancing so fast, you know like. Well, how are you? How are you able to? Um, you speak with the teacher, and you know all this stuff, and we don't, you know. And I just told them that I'm just doing my own thing outside the class, you know. So they, so it's definitely the traditional way, you know. The Unfortunately, method, the method. Yeah. I should say the method. The method. Yeah. Unfortunately, that method is is teaching for the examination, and that's exactly, it. it's, it's exactly you. You learn all this stuff, you know. People getting A's on these tests, but you know, but they can't speak. It's just like, wow, you know, that's they just learning to pass a test. And I, I don't like that. I don't like having to learn something, memorize it and then just take the test and be done with it. You know, especially when it comes to languages, I, I have to know I have to know this language. So I want to refer back to what you mentioned about not um, being engaged with Spanish because for you it wasn't difficult. It wasn't challenging enough. Um, that that Spanish resides within the the Romance languages, and they're very common for English speakers. Yeah. But when 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 English speakers decide to learn the languages outside of Romance languages, that uses a completely different grammar, um, a completely different way of thinking that is needed to become acquainted with the language. What have you noticed to be the biggest difference between the Asian languages and the Romance languages? What are the bigger challenges that pull you in to learn those languages, whereas they deter others? Yeah, they it's big difference. It's like if I go learn a language, let's say Tibetan. Well, first, let's start with the European languages. Let's say Spanish. OK, I start learning Spanish today and let's say six months to a year, you know, six months to a year later, I became a native speaker in Spanish. OK, mm-hmm. after I become native in Spanish and I go talk with some natives, they you know, they want to, wow, you speak, you know, they, they'll be surprised. But then again, they will, they won't be that surprised. I mean, like they, they'll give you props on being able to speak on a native level, but they, they won't, they won't be, um, very, very, very surprised because they look at you, you, you grew up here in the States and you speak English natives. So they automatically assume that you, you, you know, you, um, you supposed to, well, not you supposed to, but, um, it's understandable that you're able to speak this well, you know, because we're native English speakers. Now, if you go over on the other side of the map and learn something like Tibetan, you know, a completely different um, writing system, the grammars all over the place, uh, the culture is completely different, and you learn that language well, it's going to be, they, (laughs) you're going to be like an alien to them. You know, it's like, they're going to be like, where are you from? You know, they, it's like, (laughs) It's like, well, we're, we're, we're all human beings, but like they look at you like you're an alien. Like, I don't know how many times I've had these type of experiences. People, 
they was like, man, I don't understand. They, they, they'll keep saying, I don't understand. How did you how did you do that? And I told them like several times, you know, how, how I learned the language. And they would still keep asking me, like, how did you learn this language? How did you do it? How did you do it? I mean, it's just it's just crazy. So I would say the wow factor for learning those other languages outside the European family is um, the wow factor is higher than is a lot more high than that of uh, European languages. So that makes it fun itself. It makes it more motivating because like, wow, you know, I'm getting all this praise and, you know, and it, it, it's hard work. You know, it's like and that is being different. And it takes more hard work. Once you achieve and you understand like half the language, you feel like, wow, I really, really achieved something. You know, I want to keep going and take this further. But if it's easy, you know, and it's so similar to your native language, it's like, like at least for me, it's like I don't. I feel that I was cheating somehow. Like, if it, <laughs> no, seriously, I feel like I was cheating. Like, like Spanish. When I was learning Spanish, you know, it's language like Spanish, Italian. It's like they have so many English words. It's, it, it doesn't feel like I'm. I don't know. It doesn't feel like I, uh, it's right. Like it doesn't feel like um, I'm deserving this this progression or something. You know. Mm-hmm. So you really want to feel? <laughs> I want to. I want to. Yeah. You really want to feel like a foreigner, right? It's like because if you go learn Tibetan or Chinese, everything is foreign. They, they don't have. I think in Chinese, the only word they have that is um, that you can hear if you never studied Chinese before is uh, coffee, and they say cafe, and that sounds like coffee. Other than that, everything is foreign. You know, everything is foreign. So there's really no excuse. Like, oh, you 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 know that it's, it's it should be. You should know that because that's English. Like you, it's similar to English. Like stuff like that. I feel that you know. Um, it has to be challenging. It has to be more challenging and just just completely foreign to me. Okay. And something else that I find um, people have real difficulty when learning a language su- such as an Asian language is the writing system. Yeah. You know, you, you, you like the challenge, but having to learn to read a completely different script, I find um, a lot of people find daunting. Yeah. What are your what are your what are your takes on learning the scripts of these new language, these languages? Well, it's a lot of hard work, especially with Chinese. Like uh, a language like Chinese without an alphabet, you have to consistently like write and read every day, every day. But I think if you're very interested, if you're motivated to learn, you know, like I was saying before, you can look past those difficulties. If you're having fun with it, like time go by and you're like, wow, I can read all this. I can't believe I can read that. You know, having fun the whole time, you were determined to learn that language. So it's difficult. But if you if you have that motivation, that drive, you will you will be able to learn it easily. Moses, if if I could if I could just ask um, uh, along those lines, like uh, if I want to study. I don't know, Norwegian, for example, I learn the alphabet, I learn the the sounds of the letters. I put those together to make words. I put the words together to make sentences. With a language like Chinese, where does a beginner begin? Um, hmm. Well, I will take the well Chinese like any other language. I will take the same approach, but like when it comes to the when it comes to the writing, um, yeah, I will. Yeah, like I, I always recommend teach yourself. I think teach yourself is a very very good course, and I think for Chinese, they they have characters in there start to start a beginner off. I would start with that, but um, as far as the constructing, like the sentences and whatnot, 
I will take an approach like some like an FLR approach. Just you know, follow, like learn certain things first, get to that conversational level, and then once you get to the points where you feel comfortable, then you can go and you know take it further and take any other approach you want. So conversation first, and then the characters, or simultaneously? Uh, I would say when I. Cause see, when I first started, I did. I started off with conversation, but people. Uh, that when I started meeting Chinese people, they told me that I, they they told me that I would have to learn how to read the characters, because when I go to China, I won't see pinyin all over the sign. So, I would say um, just do them both at the same time, just to you know, so you won't fall too far back on them. Just do them both at the same time. And is there any time that you would advise that somebody learn one before the other? Yes, but I would def- definitely spoken. If you if you if you think you're going to be speaking this language, then definitely I would I would take the spoken over the writing. Uh, if you're uh, conversational in Chinese, for example, but illiterate in Chinese, and you go to China, you can still you can still manage a bit um, knowing the language uh, at the conversational level. Oh yeah, you can still get to a good level in the language. It's just a problem when you, you know, reading. You know, I mean, you have a you you have a literary, like I have my 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 um my mother in law. She's you know that th- she's from Taiwan and she's like she's older, of course. She's she can't read like Chinese, but she can speak. You know, because in her generation, right. I think they had the women. They had to stay home or something like that. They weren't able. They weren't like allowed to go go to school or something like that. So they didn't learn how to read Chinese. So I mean, if you could speak the language, you'll be okay. Okay. So what I want to find out now is how do you actually go about learning the characters for something like Chinese or Japanese? Uh, yeah, with Chinese, like like let's say. Um, Let's say today was my first day learning Chinese. I would take I would I would take that FLR approach. When I learn those constructions, those keywords, I learn the characters at the same time. Like anything I learn, I have to learn the characters. So you have to you have to constantly learn characters. Like you can't just you can't skip and say, okay, I'm, I don't I don't want to learn a character for this word. I don't want to learn a character for that word. Every word you learn, you have to learn the character. So, okay, so do you write do you write the characters down over and over again, or do you use the mnemonics techniques of creating image associations in your mind? What works for you? I would, for me, I would write them over and over, like maybe 10, 20 times, ten to twenty times, and then um, a context. I like to take a context and copy the characters. Like, if teach yourself the first chapter, they, they normally put the characters in the back. I would just copy that text down like twice. Copy the whole text down twice and do that throughout the whole book because those characters, a lot of the characters, they're going to come up again in different contexts. So that's a, that's another good way of doing it. So do you at any so. point use um, systems such as Anki for remembering characters, or is it all written by hand for you? Uh, pretty much all written by hand for me. Okay, cool. Um, and you've got a lot of followers on on YouTube um, where the listeners to this show could find you if they wanted to. Why do you think you've developed such a huge <laughs> uh, 
um, a, a huge base um, for for your for your videos. Yeah, you you yeah. probably have more subscribers than all of the rest of us combined. <laughs> What's the secret? <laughs> I, man, to be honest with you, I it's still uh, like I I don't know. It's kind of weird to me because when I first started my channel, like I was telling David the other day, I, basically I was just practicing languages. Like my um, one day uh, I was what was it? I think it was on a Saturday. I told my wife that I wanted to start making videos for my languages, you know, to practice. And she, so I, t- I told her that I wanted to go to Staples and get a whiteboard. And she said, why are you? She's like, that's a waste of time. Why would you want to get them? <laughs> she said, that's a, that's, that's a waste of time. She's like, you don't do that. You don't need a whiteboard. So I, I need to practice these languages because, you know, languages, a lot of languages that I study, they're very rare and I don't get to use them. It's hard for me to find people to practice with. So that's when I came up with that idea. So I went and got that whiteboard and then I put it up and I made my first few videos and it was about, I think it was a month or two later, it was about a month or two later I started getting replies back, like uh, private messages. People were, hey, where did you, you know, ask me, where did you learn this? Where did you learn that? How are you doing this? How are you doing that? And at first I wasn't replying because like I said, I wasn't on there giving people advice. It was just basically for myself, you know. I just wanted to meet the natives to get the feedback. And then over time, more and more people came to my channel and they, they saw all those languages I put up. And, it, you know, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and reply and, you know, reply to these messages. So I started replying. I started getting a lot more followers and people started, you know, mentioning me on forums and stuff. It was just crazy. Like I didn't I didn't make my YouTube channel to become famous. It just it just happened. I just got that's that's how it all happened. You know, Well, you, you have probably over two million hits on your uh on your channel six thousand some odd uh subscribers i i have to hand it to you congratulations i mean that's that's a tremendous uh achievement for for such a little niche um uh channel you know i mean how how many of us are really out there uh that that are making and watching youtube videos on language learning not yeah that's like I said, I was just having fun. Like I, I just I started that channel to you know practice the languages, and people people started asking me questions. So it's like you know what I need to I need to uh, answer these questions. I did that, and you know it, it's it's kind of strange. A lot of people they have misunderstandings. They come to my channel, which is understandable. They they look at it and they think that I'm actually on YouTube teaching people languages or something like that. But they don't understand. Like from the beginning, they don't understand the beginning. They have to go all the way back to the first video I made to understand what, what, what I was doing before. You know, but that's how it all started. I, did, I just I still can't believe I have these many followers. It's just crazy. <laughs> well, what, one of the things, you know, uh, people who watch your channel walk away from is uh, the fact that even though you do have all of these subscribers and and uh, uh, views, uh, you, you've kind of remained a, a really humble guy, and you're not, you know, you're not out there showing off. And uh, uh, how, how much of that do you think has been like um, uh, an effect of some of the languages you've studied? I, I know, for example, you know, in Chinese and Japanese culture, it's it's kind of built in that this this concept of humbleness and self-effacement. Do you think any of that has uh, rubbed off on you because of the languages? Uh, I would, well, well, first of all, for myself, I, you know, looking at where I came from, you know, the type of environment I grew up in, that that itself is humbling. Like I look back at that and look at those, you know, those people I grew up around with, and they, you know, 
it's like I ask myself, what if I didn't, you know, what if I didn't meet those those certain people? Like, what if I didn't get into learning languages? Where would I be today? You know, and it's very humbling looking back at that because I could be like those other people back where I grew up, you know, not really caring about different cultures, just, you know, just just uh, doing the, the, the normal things that they do. You know, so that itself, I think, is, is, is humbling. It, it's it's very, very, very humbling. You know, to come from that to learn a language like Chinese and Japanese is just it's just um, it's just crazy. A lot of people, you know, they back home. Well, not now, of course, but when I was getting getting into it, people thought I was insane, thought I was crazy. Like, You're crazy, man. I don't know why you want to do that. You know, and I, it was just I just can't imagine being in that type of mindset now. You know, yeah. so it's that itself is 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 is, um, is humbling. And plus, from I've always been like, um, even before I started getting into languages, I I will consider myself a humble person, like because I was introvert. I was a, I was re- I was very very introverted. I didn't really go outside the house that much, and I was always to myself and my my brother. But you know, so I was I would say like the humbleness was there, you know, back then. And your siblings are are they interested in foreign languages as well or? Mm, no, they're not. No. And <laughs> <laughs> no. um, before we move on to the the, the, the ending of the show, um, I want to ask you: Where do you see yourself in ten years from now? Because at the age of twenty nine, you can speak more than twenty languages. In is in another ten years, are you going to be able to speak <laughs> maybe another twenty languages? I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna. I just, I just know that I'm going to continue my language my language learning. This. I wouldn't be where I am today if it, if it weren't for me, you know, making this decision on learning languages. Like that's that's for I wouldn't have met my wife. I just came a long way just because of you know, um, just just because I made the decision to learn language. So I'm going to continue this journey. So whatever happens in the future, whatever's lying in the future for me, we'll see when that time comes. Fantastic. And what do you, what do you have anything else planned for the language learning community? Any direction you would like to see things move, or or are you just out to just learn your languages and share what you what you know? Well, hopefully, hopefully we can get more people to become independent language learners. That's the ultimate goal, you know. Not to say everyone should drop out of school and take language out of school and whatnot, but like they should. Um, I mean, if they're going to teach a language, they should teach in a more, uh, uh, more natural way. Get because I think if you do that, instead of forcing people to take languages, we'll have more language learners. And I think that's a, I think that's the biggest problem in in, in education. And we're forcing people to learn languages, and it's 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 bad. You know, that's why people when they when they graduate, they say, "No, nah, I don't want to learn it." I, you know, I was tortured for four years. You know, I've had to learn this language for four years, so. I don't know. I would like to see more people become independent language learners. Just, just learn more languages in general. <laughs> my, my own daughter Moses, uh, at the end of her high school requirement, handed me her Spanish books and said, "Here you go, Dad. I'm done with these." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, see, see. Students, see, like, like, like that. You know, they they should yeah. be very, very enthused about learning language. Say, oh, you know, I want to continue my Spanish studies. I want to move. You know, I'm planning to move to Spain and. You know that, but if we continue to force people to learn languages, we won't have we we won't have successful language learners. That's just how it's going to be. So hopefully, hopefully we can by having this community, you know, hopefully more people will, you know, start learning you know more languages. 
Mm-hmm. And something else that, um, that, that, that has come to my attention, when, when, you, when I have um, come along with my study of Spanish and now Japanese as well, um, I noticed that I have to think differently in order to, to process the language correctly. Unlike English, where we just speak, I have to actually recognize that this is a woman and this is a man and change how I speak towards oh, them. Yeah. With, with your experience with learning languages um, like Chinese um, and the long list of languages that you do have, how have they affected the way that you think in general, not only in the language, but also when you're operating in English? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's um, yeah, definitely personality changes. It, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's so different. It's like certain, like when you speak a certain, you have to like change the way you speak. And it's like, um, I don't know, I can't explain it. It's like you, it's like, I, I, I noticed that I'm more, um, how can I say, I'm more um, sensitive when I speak to certain people. Like I think about certain things like, okay, I can't, I can't say this, I can't say that. Um, I don't know, it just, I, it's a lot different from when I speak English to someone. It's like, I, I'm just like you said, I'm totally, di- I'm, it's like a, I'm thinking about like so many things. Like it's like, should I do this? Should I say this? Should I, should I say this? Should I say that? It's uh, so. Would you so? Would you say that learning foreign languages has really built your character? Oh yeah. Oh definitely, <laughs> definitely made me more sensitive towards you know different cultures and whatnot. It's it's crazy. It's like <laughs> I, it's like because when I when I sit back I sit back and look at it. It's like wow, you know. I was just talking like this to this person and, and I was thinking, it's just like I think about a lot of stuff now. Like a lot of stuff I think about. I look at the whole picture of things and you know, I just don't make, um, I, I don't know, it, it's, it's hard to explain. It, it's, created, it's created links to other, other branches that you wouldn't have uh, normally yeah, pursued yeah. if it wasn't for the right. languages. Right. Yeah. right, if it weren't for the languages, I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't know what it's, it's just it's amazing mm-hmm. and, and 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 also you know when you all you said earlier on that you can't separate the culture from the language because they they go together as one do you think that possibly this is a question a bit unrelated to language learning that language learning itself is maybe the key and secret to get people to come together especially in places like even here in in london and and i've heard you say in your videos in america that people just are ignorant to other cultures. Do you think language learning could be the key to connect the hearts and minds of people across the globe? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think language. Oh yeah, I think that's the key. If we if we open up, you know, learn more languages, understand the cultures. No doubt in my mind that that will you know that will create more unity amongst the people. It's like because I, I look at it in the past, like I was saying in the video, I, I I was thinking like the other people, like you know, it's like wow they you know, had these preconceptions about those foreigners. Why? Because I didn't know. I was ignorant, you know. So I was like, like the Chinese, for example, like, you know, a lot of people would say, that, yeah, you know, we go to the Chinese restaurant, they all, they, they, they were upset or angry. Like, we automatically assume that they're upset or angry because of the way they speak. Because when, when Chinese people speak, it, it actually sounds like they're mad. When they're, when they're having a normal conversation with each other, it sounds like they're upset, but they're not. That's just how they speak, you know. So it's like once you learn about these different cultures, you learn the languages, then you start understanding certain things and you won't have these preconceptions, these, you know, these misconceptions about about the people, you know. 
So, Fantastic. so it's I, I I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> so it's like it's very important. It's like you're not just learning language. Like oh, I'm just gonna learn this language. No, it's it's deeper than that. You're gonna learn about the culture, about the people, and it's going to definitely change the way you think. You best to believe that. You're gonna be thinking <laughs> in a different way. Seriously. <laughs> you know? Well, Moses, we uh, really appreciate your taking the time to be with us here today. Um, uh, what what are your your plans for uh, the near future, and how how can people get in touch with you? And uh, uh, what's your 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 blog post, your your blog channel, your uh, YouTube channel? How, how how do people find you? Um, well, of course, YouTube. I'm on Facebook. I have Twitter, but I, I rarely use it. A lot of people follow me on Twitter, um, and I have a website. As you guys know, I have students myself, so. That website is on my YouTube page as well. I think it's what is it, RoadRunningLanguageCamp.com. But YouTube is probably the, the the main place people can find me. The Facebook, if you want to add me on Facebook, is basically Moses Moses McCormick. Just type in Moses McCormick. You should see my logo there. So. And 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 lastly, what services do you have available at the moment? Um, is your FLR method something people can buy or? Or do you have anything else that you have to offer to language learners? Uh, yeah, I have. Actually, I just started, um, let's see, I have um, some FLR courses and DVDs, which I updated. Um, I just started doing that. It was last month, put on my website. So basically, if, if I don't have the courses with the student the, on the DVDs, and they will be able to find all the information. And like, there's a script for all the courses I have with native recordings. So I have actually to see Japanese, Chinese, Japanese, Korean right now, with uh, native recordings and all the FLR text and whatnot. But I have more information up on my website about that. If people are interested. Fantastic! It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Yes, I'm. I'm happy you guys uh, invited me here. I enjoyed talking with you. Pleasure was ours. Thank you so much, Moses. No and, and thank you everyone for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Have a great day. Goodbye. Bye.